Buongiorno a tutti. Benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italiano. Particularly the food. <laughs> Jeez. I'm hungry. You're always hungry, <laughs> Madonna. Uh, my name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I am here with Tommaso. See, si, Tommaso, il favoloso. <laughs> The famous. Oh, excuse me. I just called you fabulous instead of famoso. I called you fabulous instead of famous. Which would you rather be? Both. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Welcome to episode 124. Chilling at a Tuscan farmhouse. Alora, the first thing I want to mention quickly is that some people have recently been following my personal Instagram account, which is just under my name of Kimberly Holcomb. But the one you want to follow is Kimberly's Italy. Same name as the website and this podcast. Molto facile. That just means very easy. And since we're asking you to follow us on Instagram, please do the same for our podcast. So on Apple or Spotify, on Apple in the upper three dots in the upper right-hand corner, you can click on that and say follow. And on Spotify, it's in the middle somewhere. Matter of fact, next week, I'll put up a page on the website that shows you exactly where to click follow. We have And or subscribe. Yeah, we have. Well, that's what it is now. There's no okay. more subscribe. Okay. It's just follow. But we have, you know, tens of thousands of listeners and we don't have tens of thousands of followers. So all you pumpkins out there. Not everyone's a pumpkin and not everyone would understand why you're calling them a pumpkin. <laughs> I call my friends pumpkin. <laughs> anyway. Particularly female friends and we have 80% of our listeners are female. Okay. Well, it just helps with like, you know, our street cred when it comes to how we are actually going to grow Kimberly's Italy. So please follow. Allora, if you listened to our last episode, you know that we had a hard time driving out of Pisa due to the maratona, the marathon, but we survived. We survived the dirt roads and the backtracking on Google Maps directions, and then we headed down to southern Tuscany. However, I will say that we did stop for lunch in the walled city of Volterra, which, by the way, is one of the oldest cities in Italy, one of them. However, some people claim it is the oldest, which is not true. We've slept in Matera. We know that's the oldest, correct? But Volterra does go back to at least the 8th century BC. So that's pretty remarkable. So, but I couldn't wrap my head actually around the age of it because... Well, I was telling you that as we were driving like straight uphill. Yeah, straight uphill <laughs> at a 45 degree, 50 degrees, going up and going so high you needed oxygen at one point. <laughs> and it also seemed to take forever. And I'm trying to find the gears and all of a sudden we park and we're parking on like a 35 degree angle. A decline. A decline. And I've got to make sure that I can get out, but I've got to pull close to the edge to pull in. But I've, <laughs> when I get back in, I've got to jam on the parking brake. Oh, yeah. We and, did and that clutch. a lot this trip. Yes. <laughs> you haven't um, driven that much in Tuscany before, and now you're almost an expert. I haven't driven that much of a standard since... Um, a stick shift. Well, my A4 was a stick shift. So everyone has different words for it. 
You just said standard. In Europe, it's called manual. Where I grew up is called stick shift, and you called it a standard. So there you have it. Okay. We drove a lot of stick shift, but we had a lovely lunch in Volterra in one of the oldest cities in Italy. And it was worth it, in my opinion, because I hadn't been there since I lived in Italy, which was also like the medieval ages. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Talk about old. I thought, I thought I'd say that knowing that you would laugh. Mm-hmm. And you did. You you were listening. From Volterra, we went south on secondary roads. And as we got closer to our farmhouse destination, we noticed the landscape changed yet again. And it was somewhat subtle. But the hills look different than just, you know, 50 kilometers more north. And keep in mind that this was the second week in October. So all the fields had been harvested. Therefore, it was like just earth in colors with that intense deep blue sky. It was molto, molto bello, right? We were so lucky with weather. But when we finally got close to the farmhouse, we thought, hmm, this is pretty remote. Like we could see on Google Maps, we were almost there and we're looking around like, do you see a single village anywhere? No. <laughs> no. We're like, this is remote. Olives. Olive trees. Olive trees Olive everywhere. Trees. But to be honest, we were both kind of excited about that. We had just been in Pisa that was very crowded. And before that, Torino, which was not jam-packed with tourists hardly at all, but it is a city. And, you know, where we were heading was the complete opposite of a city. So we thought remote will be fine. So we pulled onto the quote-unquote driveway, which was yet another dirt road. Okay, okay hold, the- hold on. This is one thing I've got to I've gotcha here. <laughs> Jeez. So let me correct you about the dirt road description. It is sort of dirt road, but it is called Strada Bianchi. Wow. Yes. Strade Bianchi. Oh. I'm just helping you out. It is called Strade Bianchi. <gasps> you almost rolled your tongue. Bravo. Impossible. They are not dirt roads. They are the white roads that are unpaved gravel roads that reach across the whole of Tuscany and Umbria. And they weave their way through all the oak forests and olive groves and vines and meadows and fields of grain. The white color that gives these roads their unique character, which is different than a dirt road, like, say, a dirt road in Vermont, Correct. which is brown. The character comes from compacted local limestone and gravel that forms them. Naturally, it's more of a designer dirt road. <laughs> right. And they are preserved today as a national treasure. You know, I have, I have heard of that. You did a little research on this, I can tell. Well, actually, last night, I was listening to a BBC history podcast with James Holland, who's a great historian. And, of course, it was about World War II, and it was about the invasion of Italy. And just as we were there, I driving around, I'm thinking, I read another book by James Richardson a little while ago about the invasion of Italy and talks about the mountains, and I was racking my brain to think about all the things and the spine of Italy going up with all the issues. So Because of the mountains. Because of the mountains and the muck and the roads, and it rained a lot. So the History Extra BBC last night, in the middle of it, James Holland said, hold on. Oh my God, he's got, you have a recording? Hold on, <laughs> this is new to me. 
And of course, Italy is incredibly mountainous, and and you know the roads are you know there's, there's asphalted roads in cities and stuff, but most roads are are what we would call strade bianche, which is these these kind of sort of dirt roads, and they're absolutely fine if you're kind of trotting mules and carts along them, and the occasional Fiat Topolino. <laughs> <laughs> so, although we didn't have an occasional Fiat Topolino, we had we a- had a Fiat. Tipo. And that there, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I've got it. It all came together. It all came together. Well, bravo, Tommaso. All right. When we got off the Strade Bianche and we finally entered the property, the first thing that actually stuck out to us was this feeling of like... Mellow. Yeah. It was like, whew, tranquilita. Well, after starting off the morning... Trying to get out of Pisa. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good point. All we heard were birds and the breeze and basically nothing else until we entered the farmhouse itself. And then about eight little dachshunds called bossotti in Italian, eight little dachshunds surrounded us with their little yap, 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 yap. Again, chocolates and puppies. (laughs) So we instantly thought, oh, this will be a great place because there's dogs everywhere and i have to say if you haven't figured it out already tomaso and i are huge dog lovers but to be honest we're still kind of in a state of mourning over our border collie world's best dog who's been gone two and a half years right we are so incredibly sappy we can be anywhere walking anywhere and we'll see a dog being you know walked or with their owner and we're like huh and we start chatting to them and they're like really i'm like so you know going on my own here and i and all of a sudden there's these two people like wanting to chat about my dog we're completely sappy whenever we see a dog and all of a sudden we had eight little basotti at our feet and then margo margo came barreling in margo the dog on the instagram feed Yes, she's a yellow lab with the biggest brown eyes, and she literally made a beeline straight to us. I'm thinking probably because she sensed, she knew somehow that we would be her ticket to treats of cheese and whatnot. I'm just a little bit uh, convinced that we're not unique in that situation. Anyone who walks in the door who's new. Oh, yeah, right. But Margot knew we were dog lovers, for sure. And then we met the humans. The proprietor is a lovely woman who has, I think she's skillfully collected staff who are friendly and courteous and professional all at the same time. And one couple has just been there a few weeks. They both came from Argentina Another young man from the Philippines who was so funny and kind, and we actually ended up calling him Signore Valderrama because that is the most common surname in the Philippines, he told us. And it also happens to be the same surname of our friend who we saw a few days later in Firenze. And the rest of the staff were Italian women, and they couldn't have been nicer. Everyone made you feel so at home instantly. Well, well, you were going back and forth. Again, I think I mentioned this before, but the Argentines spoke English and Italian and Spanish. and you They were were, learning Italian. Yeah. And you were going through all three and my eyes were glazing over (laughs) because I didn't understand anything. My Spanish is very poor now. So let's, um, let's paint a picture for everyone of our first evening there. 
So after we put our luggage away in our sweet room, Tomas and I walked out on the property. We wanted to see everything before it got dark. And we walked out to the pool, which was slightly removed from the main farmhouse. And it was perfect, in my opinion. It wasn't too large, wasn't too small, not too fussy, not too fancy. Just a very enticing looking place to hang out and read a book or obviously to swim. And I imagine diving in there on a hot day would just be so refreshing. Everything about it was beautiful. And if it were 10 or 15 degrees warmer, I would have jumped right in. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pool was surrounded on two sides by huge lavender plants. It smelled wonderful. The lavender and the grass and beautiful lounge chairs sitting yes, by the those, pool. Those lounge chairs that have the little... Little flops on the top that keep you from... Flop, a little whatever. piece on the top that you can angle to prevent the sun in your face while you're reading. Yes. And there was no fence. And it's a law oh. in the States that you have to have a fence, impenetrable fence, pretty much, around your pool anywhere, hotel or home. Commercial or residential. And it is, like he said a nationwide law and it just ruins the look of everything. It would have ruined the vibe. Yes. This place was, this pool was fantastic, I thought. And then we walked around some of the olive orchards, the vineyards, the vegetable gardens. And the more we saw, we were thinking, hmm, I know what our meals are going to consist of. Everything grown, that whole zero KM, the zero kilometer concept. Everything that you eat and drink will be or has been grown on that property or within a kilometer. So then after our little stroll, we walked back to the terrace patio area at the back of the farmhouse and sat under a pergola on very comfortable cushions, I will say. It was an elevated pergola. It was. We chose that for some reason. You sort of felt... To feel regal or something. You felt above it all. (laughs) Well, we chose to sit there and there were some other people in another one and everyone's busy getting ready for dinner or whatnot. But I will say that all the different pergolas had different seating areas underneath each pergola, different tables, different cushions. They were all colorful, bright colored uh, design fabric. It, everything was just very happy and colorful mm-hmm. in that with the Gleechene pods hanging down. So imagine in March and April, the Gleechene flowers and those colorful cushions. Dio mio. And all these sort of dachshunds walking around like a little Wes Anderson movie. Exactly. And um, all of the stones were the teeny, like the, instead of flat stones or terracotta or whatever, it was just small, teeny stones that you walked on and you know they raked them occasionally once a day or so to make it look so, so Perfecto. Pristine. It was it was lovely. So we took our little regal pergola seating area and then we asked for red wine, a glass of red wine, knowing it would be theirs. And uh, Gary, Signore Valderrama, brought us our glasses of wine and we thanked him and we each took a sip and we're like, <gasps> looking at each other like, oh my God, this is their house wine. It was delicious. So then we were seated at a communal table for dinner and Tommaso and I were opposite each other with a Swiss family of four on one side and a couple from Rome on the other side. And the Roman woman had a teeny little basotto, a little dachshund in her lap. So I just thought, oh, 
they came here because they know it's a dog-friendly place, especially if you have a basotto, a dachshund. But the full story comes out later. Uh, She and her husband were both tattoo artists and they had their own tattoo shop in Rome and they were as funny as could be, right? Well, to you, you were speaking in Italian to them. I, I Did just, they speak English? Not really. I laughed along because... Yeah, isn't that funny when you laugh and you don't know what you're laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm so used to that. But the Swiss family, they spoke English, the two kids who are like in their 20s. And the mom, she spoke some English and some Italian. And they were really nice. I, I personally am convinced the father knew some English words, but... He didn't let on that he did. No. Right. (laughs) But the kids were really nice, really, really pleasant. So as this delicious red wine flowed, so did the conversation. So did the laughter. And I did find out that the Roman couple were there to adopt one of the Basotto. And the proprietor had previously named him Gregorio. After the Pope. I, I think she did or whatever. We heard his name was Gregorio. And I thought, oh, isn't that funny? Can you imagine walking around Rome with this teeny little Basotto and saying, Vieni qua, Gregorio, vieni qua. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, hey, Ollie, come here. <laughs> it was so cute. So once I figured that out, I was like, oh, so they're here adopting this dog. They're going to take him back to Rome. So I need some one-on-one time with Gregorio. <laughs> And I just kind of stole him for the rest of the evening from her. She didn't mind. She's like, he's all mine starting tomorrow. So he he looked very comfortable. Oh, he was on my lap the whole way through dinner. It was so nice. And then when they served dinner, the proprietor sat with us and her laughter just added to the evening. She was so. um, She was energetic, energetic, lively, funny, funny, entertaining. I think she enjoyed the fact that you spoke Italian. We showed up. We were very happy to be there. And I told her I'm a travel planner, et and we, and we love dogs. Yes. And yes. then the Roman couple was there, and she could see that there was a, a, a fit there. And we were speaking of the Swiss couple and their children. So it was all like it was going to be a good dinner. It was a good vibe. And remember the part where I said a joke in Italian to the Roman couple, and he burst out laughing. I was secretly like so proud because it's hard to tell a joke in another language, but I pulled it off. And all I remember is him leaning back and seeing inside the bottom of his teeth. His laugh was so hard. It was a good one. So they served or they made a very simple yet delicious tomato sauce. And every bite you took, you knew that the garlic, the tomatoes, the basil, everything was grown there. It was so simple and so good. Even the Roman couple, they're like, oh, Dio mio, delicioso. It was just every bite was like a flavor bomb. And then they served a meat dish that you all loved. And I had a simple bowl of lettuce from their garden that also had more taste than any lettuce I've ever had in my life. We all had their Fresh baked bread, more wine. It was just... It was one of those evenings that we will remember forever. Complete strangers, a couple of different languages, people meeting for the first time. Yeah. Uh, good vibe. You know you're you're lucky to be there. Yes. And... And it was a beautiful environment. And Margot. 
I know, Marco. Marco the yellow lab with her head on my lap, waiting for a piece of whatever I was eating. <laughs> the whole night. Well, she actually was under the table. And like I said, Tomas and I were across from each other. So she just plopped herself in the middle and her, her, her head was on your thigh at one point, And then she'd turn and you'd hear a little movement. And then I feel her head on my lap. I'm like, ciao, Marco. <laughs> we're being like really quiet. We didn't want the proprietor to know. That we were giving him all her all kinds of cheese and meat. Oh, it was great. You're you're correct, Tommaso. It was an unbelievable evening. Alora, the next morning, Tommaso and I slept in a bit late for us, and every everyone was gone. The breakfast was there inside in the that part of the farmhouse that we hadn't seen yet. It was so lovely, so colorful, so just welcoming and their breakfast was spread out on this old wooden table and everything handmade breakfast cakes you know like the lemon one the chocolate one with that powdered sugar sprinkled on top fruit torts freshly baked croissants chocolate croissants oh your weakness yes. right oh dark chocolate of course not nutella <laughs> and homemade bread, yogurt, fresh fruit, granola, muesli type thing with their homemade honey, you name it, everything, including all their flavors of jam. And if you remember, Tommaso upstairs by our room, they had that glass cabinet pantry it, type area. It was very big. It was. And it had all of their jams they make, blueberry, raspberry, peach, apricot, and their olive oil. So I'm not a big jam eater, but I put a little scoop of each one on my plate. Force yourself. Everything was so good. And of course, Margot shared it with us. Of course. <laughs> the Swiss family went on a road trip to Perugia. The Romans went back to Rome with Gregorio, never to be seen again by us. And the owner was out all day on errands, so Tommaso and I had the place to ourselves, along with the dogs and the staff, right? So we asked if we could record our podcast outdoors under one of the pergolas, because each one, as I mentioned, had a big table. And we did. And that recording is episode 119. You can hear the difference. We're not in our podcast studio, but it just, it sounded beautiful because it was just outdoor, fresh air, lovely, different. But Tommaso had set up all of our equipment on the table. And right before we started, Signore Valderamas came over and said, would you like a glass of red wine to do your recording? No. And we stared at him. We're like, we couldn't. Certo. Why not? <laughs> so we did. I just put a picture up on Instagram of that, you in the recording studio outside. So that was a first. Recording outside in the garden of a farmhouse, kept cool by the pergola, with a glass of wine in hand, and the only ambient sound, again, were the same birds, the same breeze, the occasional little bark by one of the dogs. And I don't know. I was thinking that could be something we could get really used to and who needs this podcast studio that we're in right now? Because we could just live at the farmhouse. FYI, <laughs> I'm planning on it. Oh, 
We'll do something like that. Va bene. Okay. So since Tommaso does all the editing of each podcast, he did the same at the table outdoors under the pergola, and I went on a walk up the dirt road. Oh, La Strada Bianca, I should say. That's singular. And it was maybe only a kilometer to the top. It was very steep, though, so it felt like a good workout. And I saw a little hamlet of buildings. And I thought, oh, I'll go up there. Maybe it's a teeny old village. And as I turn the corner around the cypress trees, I see this sign. Attenti i cane. Beware of the dogs. They weren't plural. talking They weren't talking about the dachshunds. They either. weren't talking about Margot <laughs> and the dachshunds. And they had... Uh, the sign had um, like little icons, drawings of many Dobermans. And I had a Doberman for a point in my life, so I know that they can be sweet, but I just wasn't in the mood right then to like, <laughs> you know, potentially engage. engage with Dobermans. So I turned around, went all the way back down to the main road. By the time I got back to the farmhouse, I thought to myself, well, you know, I might have walked off that little peach, that piece of peach, um, cobbler tort i had that morning for breakfast <laughs> and also you forgot to mention they made us lunch just for us oh right they made us two kinds of sauce with spaghetti and then a lightly breaded and baked lamb and then salad <laughs> and then like some sort of a tort for dessert and it was just for us you're right i just looked at the video that i took you were seated and again we were the only people there besides the staff that made this lunch. So I looked at the video I took. I zoomed in on your plate or bowl. I zoomed in on mine. We each had one pasta of each. One was like a pesto and one was a tomato. We each tried. I don't discriminate when it comes to pasta. <laughs> and we were being polite. And then <laughs> It's I walked, easy to be polite right? there. And then I walked around to the table behind where we were seated and there was that lamb or veal or whatever you had the salad and the little fruit tart type thing for dessert it was unbelievable so i'm assuming or i certainly hope that the rest of the staff that was their lunch as well right yeah and then the swiss family returned from their perugia day trip and then we were all outside again and did you notice it was very subtle that the staff kept moving us all, getting us together. They came out, I think it was um, the sweet little Argentine girl, she came out and she said, we'll be serving aperitivo here under that pergola. So naturally, we moved there. The Swiss family went there. We went there and we had aperitivo and we started chatting with them. And then yet another amazing dinner. And then after dinner... Someone else came out and said, oh, and now we'd love to share some of our limoncello with you. They took us to the other pergola with another table. So we went from pergola aperitivo hour to dinner under in the dining area outdoors back to another pergola for limoncello. It was very kind and subtle how they just kept moving us around. So I imagine they do that when the place is full. I mean, there may only be six or eight rooms there, but in that case, it was just the four of us, or six of us, I should say. And to be honest, it sounds like all we did was eat, but the bottom line is... No, we didn't. I napped. <laughs> you did? When? No, you didn't. 
You recorded the podcast episode. I edited the podcast episode. I, I edit. You edited. Um, well, maybe you napped while I was on a walk. I don't know. But um, we never left. We never felt the need to leave. We were so happy. Everything was just so, as we mentioned, tranquilo. And I think that this group of people that run the farmhouse under the direction of the proprietor, no doubt, just aimed to please. And they made our stay there feel like like we belonged there, right? It was well worth it. It was all the driving to get there, all the getting out of Pisa. When we got there, you just went, yeah, decompress. Kind of like blood pressure went down. Yeah, decompress. And then there was Margo. And then, well, that <laughs> helps with the decompression. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the summary of our short but sweet farm stay in Southern Tuscany. And you know what's funny, Tommaso, you don't know this yet. I already have clients who just booked several days here from our quick little mention in episode 119 that we recorded there. All we did at the beginning was say where we were and about the dogs and the pergola and this, that. And then we spoke about Torino and our the beginning of our trip. So I spoke to this new client last night and she goes, so I've booked three nights over our anniversary. The second you said you could only really stay here if you love dogs, she goes, that's when I knew. <laughs> Those three nights are our anniversary stay. So there you have it. Allora, next week we'll carry on with our four days in Firenze, which was a whirlwind of meeting up with friends, an art opening at Palazzo Vecchio, and the most picturesque dinner party we have ever, ever been to. In Italy. Okay, next week we'll be back. Thank you very much once again for listening. A ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.